Hello and welcome back to Intelligence Talks. I'm your host, Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. And today I'm joined by Knight Frank's Global Head of Occupy Research, Lee Elliott, and Head of Research for Asia Pacific, Christine Lee. Hi, Lee. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me back. And Christine, it's your debut, so welcome. Thank you. My pleasure. So this week, we'll be looking at the latest twist in the back-to-work debate, with Google having recently ordered its workers back on a hybrid basis from April. So that's three days a week in the office and two at home. So how will companies fare in adopting hybrid work styles in Europe and Asia Pacific? So we'll look at both regions, as we're lucky to have Christine with us today. And what are the big trends employers are adopting to lure workers back to their desks? So I thought I'd start with the big tech news, because... Um, I was sort of thinking that we might get a kind of blueprint for going back to work, but it seems like although Google's gone for hybrid, the likes of Twitter have gone for more of a free-for-all with workers allowed to work from home whenever they want, etc. Apple's also gone for a sort of hybrid basis, but it's a lot more detailed. So they've even outlined specific days of the week and so on. So Lee, what do you sort of take from all of this? Because it does still seem to be quite a sort of mix of options out there. I think what they're doing is they're giving people choice. And I think that's ultimately, you know, they're not creating a blueprint that says you must be in the in the office in these particular days. And they're recognising that their workforce has divergent needs. And, you know, not everybody wants to work from home. Not everybody wants to work from the office. Most people want some kind of blend of those things. And they're trying to support their talent pool by providing choice and variety. And I think that's important I think there's another dimension to this, which is, of course, corporate culture and corporate growth, which is quite difficult to achieve if everybody's dispersed all of the time. So there's going to be a balancing act to be struck at some point. But what I would say, you know, having, having said the tech sector is a bellwether, we must be careful when we talk about the tech sector, because some of the tech sector companies that you've mentioned, the Googles or the like, and you're right, you know, they've just bought a, a, a huge site in, in London for their own, own occupation. But they're not typical tech companies in the sense that they have revenues the size of small countries. So they really have choice to do whatever they wish from a financial standpoint. That's not where most occupiers are going to be. But where most occupiers are is absolutely trying to grapple with this issue about how do we offer people choice? Yeah. Actually, I did see some of your research, Christine, just around um, Knight Frank's recent poll for the APAC region, just showing that nearly half of occupiers confirmed that they would, in fact, adopt hybrid working styles. I mean, is that more than you'd expected? So nearly half of them saying that they'd go for hybrid working? Um, definitely not surprised by that. I think um, the high rents that prevailed across the most of the gateway markets in APEC have traditionally resulted in a very high office densities. And this has gradually led to more corporate occupiers implementing hot desking and this pandemic actually uh, gave the opportunity for a lot of occupiers to reassess the need to have individual desks in the in the office for example those in the financial sector they have actually allowed certain functions to permanently working from home or work from everywhere hence creating the opportunity for occupiers to uh, lower densities and also to implement some social distancing protocols Okay, that's interesting. Lee, is that something that you would say is is the same for Europe? I mean, if we were to do the same poll for the region, I mean, would you say it would be nearly half of occupiers would be a fan of the hybrid system going forward? Well, I think what you've got, Anna, is uh, globally, not just in Europe, but across the world, you know, most businesses are pushing the hybrid agenda. 
So Ernst & Young did a survey at the back end of last year, which suggested that around about 80% of their, the global CEOs that they surveyed were adopting hybrid work policies or were planning to, but only 30% had. I think what you're going to see in 2022 is a lot of talk about hybrid and then a lot of hand-wringing about actually trying to implement it. It's not easy. You know, I was recently on stage at our London breakfast, and there's a video online for those that would care to watch it. But one of the things that I said there was that actually, I think as we go through this year, more and more organizations will grapple with hybrid and will discover that it's pretty difficult to deliver in, in its truest form. And as a result, you'll see more going towards an office first standpoint. That doesn't mean to say, incidentally, that people will be dragged back into the office five days a week. But what it means is that the office will be the predominant place of work and then will be, will be supported by more flexible working policies to enable people to work remotely when, when able. I thought it was quite interesting that Apple said they've literally specified that from May 23rd, employees will need to be in the office on Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays specifically. So they sort of spaced out the attendance. I mean, do you, are you hearing of other occupiers going for that in terms of actually naming days for people to come back on? Yeah, we've heard a little bit about that. I mean, the Apple story is quite interesting in its sense because you know, Steve Jobs famously said, like, Apple will always be an office-based business. At the, at the start of this pandemic, they were talking about we will absolutely all be back in the office when we're able to. And they've clearly softened that approach. I, I would go back to what I said earlier. It's about choice. If you have to put a little bit of constraint around that choice and almost enforce, I think that could be quite challenging down the line. I've not seen that many occupiers being really specific about the days, but I, I, I have seen many talking about, you know, we're going to move towards a three-two split, three days in the office to remote. I, I actually think that it's much more complex than that within organisations. I think there's certain jobs that can go to that sort of footing. There are certain jobs that, that can't. And also, I think that actually we're, we're missing a trick here. I think our relationship with the office will be much more fluid and flexible, not just on a days per week basis, but almost an hours per day basis. I think we're going to start seeing um, a much more fluid relationship with the office for all of us, where our jobs are late, enable that to happen. That will get very confusing for people kind of disappearing in the afternoon or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a difficult. Actually, the biggest challenge is for management. You know, if you, if you think about the office historically, the office was a bastion of command and control management culture. And that's the thing that's under challenge here. Yeah, no, fair Christine, um, across Asia Pacific, obviously, there has been the sort of return, unfortunately, of, of COVID for the region in some parts. So that's sort of heavily hit some areas. So I mean, in light of that, who would you say or which countries would you say are kind of most advanced in this global workplace experiment in terms of bringing in new styles of working and actually sticking to more of a kind of regular routine? I think the recent infection waves sparked by the more transmissible Omicron variant will likely delay this evolution of hybrid working, although the trend towards its adoption will not change quite significantly. Why do I say that? Um, because while the adoption of hybrid working style will vary across the region, we do expect Asia-Pacific to lag those in Europe as well as North America. For example, greater China markets uh, whose adherence to a zero tolerance approach to the pandemic, I think the centralized office will still be a function as a focal point for business. But because of this delay due to the lockdowns, I think it's going to hinder some adoption, particularly in some of the markets that are affected by the pandemic. 
Oh, that's interesting. Actually, the next question I was going to ask you was about the trends, which is almost like the second phase, maybe, because if we haven't figured out how we're getting back to the office. But Lee, I'm sure this is something people are talking about. One of the things I wanted to just challenge you on was clearly a lot of the stuff you read even still seems to be around the kind of notion of collaborative working. I read that one developer was looking at this idea of using neighbourhoods. But to me, that doesn't come across as particularly new, uh, given that we've had, you know, in offices, we've had breakout areas for ages. So I just wondered... What trends do you think are sort of the most exciting ones for the office environment that are coming up? Yeah, I mean, mean, firstly, Anna, I would say that you're right to call out this sort of supposed rush to revolution. I've been arguing since the start of the pandemic that we've got what we've got is a hastened evolution of the office. And many of the trends that we talked about back in 2018 in our first edition of Your Space are starting to come through and have been exacerbated by the pandemic. I think we get very trapped with this binary distinction, whether it's home or office or whether it's collaborative or private space. I think the reality and the the most interesting trend going forward is actually that we're going to see a much greater divergence and variation in the way that companies use the workplace and both from a design perspective, but also what tasks get undertaken in the office. I actually think the mainstay of the market will move towards using the office for socialization, for education and and onboarding of new staff and for collaboration and innovation. Anybody that's doing, you know, I, I write research reports for a living a fair bit of my time. I can do that pretty much anywhere. I don't need to be in an office. And in fact, many of the office settings that I have worked in in the past aren't necessarily conducive to that. I mean, Christine mentioned rightly well-being as being sort of one of the big agendas and one of the big sort of clarion calls for the office is, you know, the office can create amenity that supports a well workforce, as it were. I think the next sort of frontier of the well-being agenda, we've been through physical well-being, we've done mental well-being to a degree, we're in that position right now. The third frontier is about personal growth and development. And I think this is actually one of the really central rationales for the office going forward is a place where you come to learn and develop your career. And what what do the numbers look like then? I know earlier in the year you mentioned um, the vacancy rate was pretty high across the region, like somewhere around 12%. Is that still the case or is that increasing at the moment due to the COVID issues? Yes, um, for prime office vacancies, uh, it is still above 13% in the region and it's currently at a cyclical high. So, of course, the broadening of the economic recovery and also more governments across the region shifting away from zero COVID strategy. I think leasing demand is expected to strengthen and especially with the tech sectors continuing to be the key driver of the leasing activities in the region. So we are quite positive that uh, for 2022, of course, barring circumstances um, from the Ukraine crisis, we do see that the region will continue to recover because we have seen the bottom in Q4 2021. So the region is expected to recover continuously in 2022. Okay. Um, And Lee, in terms of the future of work, there was an idea previously around this idea of having more office space in more suburban markets. Has that come to pass? Or do you think that was just something that, you know, isn't really likely to happen, that people will go to a kind of more central destination to work going forward? Yeah, I mean, the so-called hub and spoke model, which you know, a, lot of, a lot of people talked up. I, I know this is different in Asia and there are examples of it in Asia, but we've not really seen it take flight in any great volume in, in the major markets of Europe. And one of the reasons for that is I think these cities are particularly large and companies pull from all compass points around the hinterland of those cities for their staff. So it's very difficult to know where to put the spokes, as it were, in that hub and spoke model. What we will see in terms of these suburban markets is the increased attractiveness of 
flexible working environments, co-working type environments. We've seen a lot of the operators starting to take spaces in and around, for example, the M25 in the UK and around London for that very reason, because there are some people that don't necessarily want to work from home but also don't necessarily want to go into London five days a week and therefore want a sort of a so-called third space. And we are starting to see organisations enabling their staff to do that you know, through membership schemes and the like. So, But I don't think the ambition that was stated at the start of this around this being a great dispersal of activity and a, a massive hub and spoke, I don't see that. And I don't see that going forward as being an outcome. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. Well, it's nice that the dust has settled somewhat. I feel like, we've, you know, there's a bit more meat on the bone to discuss at the moment. But yeah, it'd be good to see how things pan out perhaps towards the end of the year and see who follows the patterns that we're seeing from the likes of Google and Apple and so on. So thanks for joining me, Lee and Christine. Thanks for having us. Thank you. For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. See our show notes for more details. And please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for our next episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.